0: This is Simon Transparently, awakening the heart of humanity, as we see beyond the lies and open our eyes to realise. This is our time to rise. Okay, welcome everyone to another podcast. Today I am with someone who you've heard me talk to many times, if you've been following my path of transparent conversations is my friend Charles Eisenstein. Hey, Charles. Hey, Simon. Lovely to have you back. You could say the last few years have been quite full on. And so uh, thank you for finding, yeah. yeah, thank you for finding time to drop in with me and for the beautiful audience that comes to listen to us.
1: Yeah, thank you for bringing it together. It's been many years since uh, we sat on the sofa. I mean, that must have been like in 2012 or 2013 or something. It was indeed
0: i love and i yep. love that it continues and i love that uh, we keep weaving together so whenever i see you i always get this uh, sense of relaxation and uh, i notice that same relaxation happens when i
1: uh,
0: when i listen to you when i listen to you and whether it be a video or and it always catapults me back to the uh, some of the first times i ever heard you speak one of those being in a church in london uh, when we actually and when we actually met that year in 2012 yeah for everybody listening i don't go into a big spiel about what who what and who charles is and what he's done because you can find it out for yourself what i'd love to do is drop in with him in this beautiful sacred space that we create together and um prior to coming to speak to you charles there's always lots of different things that pop up i i may listen to something you've said, or a podcast, or just what's going on in the world right now, a recent article that I've read of yours, one being Reunion, which I just read the other day, which was very potent. And then today, what was coming through, just to give you a tiny bit of context, and I'd love to see how this lands for you, is that I've recently co-created a community experiment, a living lab, it was for three months. We came together for four months online first, there was 19 of us. Then it whittled down to 11 of us and we rented a huge house in Portugal. And we've been living in a community, what I've been calling an incubator and mm-hmm. been really exploring, you know, systems, how to work with holocracy or sociocracy, uh, coming together with the way of counsel. I don't know if you know that modality, but a, a, yep. share, a sharing modality of really bringing in magic and listening. And, how to deal with conflict and we've been, you know, we've been having regular meetings and, and so on and so forth, right? It's been this three month dive in of really, like, what is it, what does it mean to live in community together at this time? And one thing that's been coming up a lot around this sense of listening to the feminine, the, the divine feminine is a term that's being used, but of course the divine masculine and the divine feminine, what does that look like? What does that feel like to listen to really listen. And so yeah, I'd love to invite that if that feels aligned with you. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah,
1: I'm listening to you right now. (laughs) Yeah. Mm. And I would say, if you don't mind if I comment on that a little bit? Yeah, I'd love to. Yeah. I do find it useful sometimes to uh, gender the human being and speak of masculine, feminine, inner feminine, inner masculine, and, and the different functions of each. One thing that's been coming up very strongly in my in my development recently is this notion of put me to good use. I want to I want others to put me to good use and I want me to put me to good use so that I can express my masculine qualities of being present of getting it done of achieving a goal of of serving life and beauty <clears throat> and to do that <clears throat> I have to be oriented toward what does serve life and beauty. That orientation is a feminine function. And I've been, so one way that I can understand the development that I have been focusing on is uh, to be a more attuned listener, which requires presence and, and listening like even in this moment right now, what actually serves life right now and what might serve, <clears throat> excuse me, what might serve um, impressing your audience with how smart I am right? or uh, explaining things like maybe explaining things sometimes does serve and maybe sometimes it doesn't. And how do I know? Hmm. Yeah. I feel like I'm pretty much fed up with and done with being the smart guy on the camera or the smart guy on the microphone. Hmm.
0: Beautiful. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I get tingles. I get tingles in my arms as you say that. Um, Because I've all uh, yeah,
1: yeah <laughs> mm.
0: yeah I've always received you as being very real, from the moment that I met you, and uh, and although I've come to you for counsel at times and uh, and I do listen to you with that reverence of knowing that I value your perspective and your opinion. Um, but One of the things that's been coming up for me recently when I when I drop into that listening, as you say, and I love what you said, to be an attuned listener requires presence. And to listen to this, what we would term in today is this feminine essence, these qualities of this, or the, the, the almost the, even when I sometimes look at it, I look at it as the yin and the yang and this kind of yin presence coming into me so that I can actually feel what's happening in the space beyond the words. Um, And in order for that to happen, I have to be like, you just don't use that word so much, but attuned. It's like an attunement that's taking place. And then when I slow down, I feel more, when I feel more, it seems that I'm more able to, yeah, sense what's in the space, or if I voice something from that place, it seems to land in a different way with those that I'm, for example, in this community space as I'm describing. Or, um, yeah, and, and something really beautiful happened in this way of counseling experience, where when we, we give more um, space for listening, without trying to fill the space, yeah, with lots of words or intellect or knowing, I don't know what other word to use other than magic. Like magic might sound a bit airy fairy, but like there's like a, a like a like a magical communication starts happening.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And it's and it and it doesn't feel controlled. Yeah. It doesn't feel so controlled. It almost feels that there's an allowing. And it happened recently with two uh female bodied beings that I was with, where what I did is I just dropped in to keep asking them what's going on for them, like what's happening for you, what's happening in you right now, and something shifted where they they felt really um, uh, valued to give to be given permission by a male-bodied being that they have value to share. That's what came up, and what they yeah. shared was far more landing than anything that I could have thought of, and that was why that was what was what's been unfolding in this kind of when I look at the world and this kind of often male body dominated action projection we've got it all worked out and if I just surrender and come back and go well, actually what 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 if I don't have a clue whatsoever like genuinely don't have a clue and actually I ask I ask you know I ask maybe a higher a higher wisdom or higher knowledge or I ask the women in the space that was anyway that's what's alive in me <laughs> I don't know what that evokes in you but
1: It evokes a lot, <clears throat> and I guess I'm feeling into um what wants to be said right now, and um. I guess I need to know who I'm talking to. Am I talking to you or an audience? I think I'd rather just talk to you. Yeah, I'd like that. Yeah, so what is your question, Mm -hmm. Simon? Beautiful. Like the real question.
0: Mm. the word that's the only word that's popping up at the moment is trust and it's kind of like it's kind of not much happening Mm -hmm. but there's a sense of yeah how can I be of best service to trusting that part of me that that feminine part of me that that part of me that um yeah that I'm unaware of actually that I'm not that I'm yeah. not that, that I'm not that I'm not um familiar okay. with. Yeah. Does it make sense? Here,
1: here's what's coming to me. Yeah, good. And it's kind of uh what cracked the, the doorway open to this is a phrase that you used, uh what if I just have no clue? Yeah. You said something like that. Yeah and i would answer that with what if you do have a clue and what if it's not that orienting your power in the world comes from being clear when you when you know and what you know and not Escaping, not abdicating into a false humility. There's a lot of stigma around today about leadership, and we can understand why. Because it has been abused, because power has become coercion, whereas real authority has become coercive. Whereas real authority is something that is earned through the building of respect over time. And when, and you've probably had the experience of, of true authority when you respect somebody so much that, that whatever they ask you would do because you trust them. So this is where, this is why trust also that you invoke is coming back here so to step away from coercive authority that's a positive step but if we mistake true authority for coercive authority then we'll never step into true authority we'll never step into true power and leadership which is actually desperately needed in the world right now we need we need people especially men to st- to to stand in their in their power in service to life. Yeah. Uh, part of that is that when something is true and the moment has come to say it, you say it. Yeah. Even if you might get you might be in danger for doing that. Cause man, somebody's gotta protect life. Somebody's gotta stick their neck out. So, this is, so so. that kind of leadership is not something that one aspires to. If you aspire to leadership, you're ultimately going to aspire to not the real thing. Leadership is a side effect of doing and speaking what needs to be done and spoken at the moment that it needs to happen. And to know what that moment is, that is what Requires being attuned to the feminine principle of life. Like, what serves life? And that, and once you know, then act on it. So, what I'm saying, yeah, sounds very gendered, and it is. I'm not offering this as the only lens by which to understand the human being, but it's been uh, illuminating and fruitful for me. Um, And it goes into all kinds of personal biographical stuff, you know, like growing up in the um, whatever wave feminism of the 70s, um, having, you know, an extremely intelligent mother um, who was told that she should aspire to be an executive secretary um, and ended up going to Yale Law School. And then not being able to find a job with any firm because they wouldn't hire a woman. No firm in our town would hire a woman. So she, you know, like she went through all of that and yeah, had, you know, had a lot of resentment toward, toward men in general. And I understand why, you know. And I think that that, many boys in my generation developed this idea of like, well, I'm never going to be a man, like man, bad, even see that in popular culture, you know, like who's the admirable uh, parent in the Simpsons. It's not Homer, Mm -hmm. you know, he's like the clueless guy. So, and, and, and it's true that, that, like most of the awful things happening in the world <clears throat> have been done by men. So so when we understand this, like a lot of us are like, no, I'm not gonna do that. I'm not gonna be a man. But we have um, repudiated the true along with the false when we do that. So this has been Yeah, this has been something I've been been very deeply working with, uh, especially over the last the last couple of years.
0: It's 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 so beautiful that you've been working with that because that's what's been coming up for me, and it's so amazing. We this this it? just listening that this has come up because actually what I'm hearing was no coincidence, of course. Sorry, first, were you were you finished? I'm no, I'm done. Sure. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm glad you 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 brought it back to me. So there's this this deep knowing in me that. And again, it's not just about gender. It's about this es- this essence of the suppressed feminine quality. Yeah, I guess, I guess, I guess, when I look out into the world and I see the the, the devastation, the disasters, the incongruences, the violent communication, the like you said, the uh, inauthentic leadership, and there's a big part of me that, that when I listen to female-bodied beings and when I support them. And they 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 tap into their power. They tap into that 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 what can be called rage or anger or or even just like really just you know own, owning that and then, and then the shift in them, the, the shift in their their eyes and their being and their their embodiment. You know, is 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 um, it's it's quite uh, awe inspiring actually. It's like wow, you know. It's like whoa, you know. And then to to actually make a I love what you said. How do I want to be used if I want to be used for anything right now as a as a male right here right now is to actually bow down in service to support the rise of that power so there can be harmony or let's say more uh, congruency coherence in those two forces alchemically connecting, and then creating something of of uh, what I see as vast, you know, beauty and healing and you know and maybe solutions to all the problems <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> with no expectations <laughs> i don't know how that lands but it feels like that feels if there's anything to use me for right now it's that
1: yeah yeah i think everybody understands that that the the healing phase that we're entering right now it depends on um holding the feminine sacred once more what that actually means uh we're still working out because the first impulse is often to install the feminine in the place that the masculine has held right. which is not even a healthy place so you see movies with female heroes and what makes them a hero is that they're kicking butt in the way that men men here man heroes have been kicking butt they're good at fighting. Right. Uh, and we see political leaders, female political leaders, installed in offices that are firmly um, determined by patriarchal values. Exactly. And they end up doing the same things that male holders of those offices have been doing. So that's that's not what we mean by honoring the feminine or or restoring the power of the feminine it's 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 not to install women in the places that men have held so that women do the things that men have done right and and what it so what it actually means um, like i would like to see a feminine female hero in a movie like even the word hero okay yeah. like what is The heroine's journey, what is the the female equivalent of that myth?
0: I love it. Yes, yes. I love you brought that up. Carry on. Go.
1: Yes. It's not the same story, but with a female-bodied character in it. Right. That is actually the further conquest of the feminine. It's the obliteration of the feminine. It's not the honoring of the feminine. Right. It's not humbling ourselves before the feminine. Right. So what is the, the, the mythic journey of the woman that corresponds to the hero's journey? And I'm not saying here that a woman can not also go through a hero's journey and that this particular myth can accommodate only those with male bodies. No, I'm not saying that. But that cannot be the only option of self-actualization. there's something else and it, i don't think our culture even sees it the word listen again like like listen for that i
0: put here like are we even are we even listening for that that you just mentioned
1: like like first i was thinking of okay you know do i, I attempt to construct or articulate what the feminine equivalent it's not even an equivalent of a hero's journey would be like, but what is the myth of actualization? And what I came to is like, that's not even really mine to say,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: but it will, but I know that when I tune into someone, probably a woman who is on this journey, that I will see it. And what I might say and do in that situation will probably be unique to that person. I'm thinking now also, the other thing I was thinking about is, is trust and various aspects of male-female relating. I'm thinking of uh, the dance floor, ballroom dancing, You know, classical dance. Uh-huh. where the man leads and the woman follows. Right. So it seems very patriarchal. Right. But there's a subtlety here that is that transforms the entire situation, which is that the man cannot be just jerking her around the dance floor.
0: No way.
1: He has to actually, if he's doing it well, masterfully, What he's doing is he is sensing where the woman and where the dance itself wants to go and serving that. So in a sense, he's not actually leading. Right. He's manifesting what the feminine already knows. Right. In a sense, she's leading, but she's not. Yes, he's listening. He's listening he's actually to, listening right. and feeling and she's leading carry on this is beautiful right so so to to like expand that then beyond the dance floor i've what i have sensed many women um especially those who are really wanting to explore their feminine side what they want is to be able to trust Yes, the masculine and what makes them trust the masculine is when the masculine is actually listening to them and performing this function of. Of where do you want to go? Where does the dance go next and where does life want to go next? That makes a man trustworthy if he is in service to that. And if he is in service to that. Then the woman will follow his lead without any kind of coercion this is not about dominating with yes. strength. if you have to dominate with strength then you're lost
0: yeah you're already lost you're out the already you're lost out of the, you're out of the what's it called you're out of the game at that point you're right. finished in fact and this leads in so beautifully i get excited as you know it's like when you said that when you said trust and you give the ballroom I was thinking like the only way that that masterful dance can take place is because she can feel in him, use the word masterful, but he, she can feel trust, right? It's literally, she feels it. Like he knows he's listening to me, he's moving and I I can surrender to him because I trust where he's leading me and, and the distortions that we've seen. And like at the moment, you can kind of understand why many female bodied beings are like, why would I want to listen or trust what's, you know, look at the result of, somehow following the the masculine leadership or let's just say the male body leadership in the last however many hundreds of years not to say that there's just been you know no no uh, wisdom or insight from from male body beings and not to condemn everybody but this leads so beautifully into where does this beautiful question you said where does the dance want to go next or where does life want to go next no that's the questions that popped up where and like in order to like even allow that in, there needs to be spaciousness. No, there needs to be like a, a deep listening. Like where right. does where does life want to go next? Like my life, and
1: thus the collective ev- evolution of life right. itself. Right. And I can, and like like you were saying, you know, in a social context where men have very often um, not fulfilled. That function, then, of course, women are going to distrust them and want to take over the masculine function that the men have not been fulfilling. There's like another complexity here too, because like what the masculine is and what the feminine is also very often changes over the course of a lifetime, and it could very well be that that um, in the course of a woman's lifetime the masculine aspect might actually come to the fore. And especially when it is called forth by social circumstances that include the abdication by men of their true function. So like, I'm not saying that a woman should step into this feminine role and if anybody takes that out of takes what i've said out of context and says that that's what i'm saying then stop because what i am saying what i'm speaking to is in my experience many women wanting to embrace their femininity not wanting to be validated only for doing masculine things not wanting to be celebrated only if they go out and found an organization or make a lot of money or do something out in the world. Right. Like, what about the value of the inner? What about the value of, of, you know, bearing and raising children? Exactly. Like, why does society devalue that? Right. And say, women, to be liberated, you have to do the things that men have been doing. Yeah. Compete with... with, Which doesn't mean that they shouldn't do the things that men have been doing. Yeah. But... That should not be the only choice that gives, that that grants them validation by society.
0: Right.
1: And I see so many women who are, are, but not every woman, but many women who really want to trust the masculine again and not have to be the masculine. Yeah. And they feel like they have to because the men aren't doing it, because the men are not trustworthy. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And and
1: if if you're a man and you ever complain about not being trusted, first thing to do is to consider whether you are trustworthy, Mm -hmm. but it goes both ways. I find that when someone trusts me, man or woman, when someone trusts me that deeply, I tend to step up to the plate. I become trustworthy in correspondence to the trust that I'm given. So, so it's It's basically like
0: it's like like, yeah, it's like an energetic, it's like an energetic exchange that takes place within both beings, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, go on. You said basically. Sorry.
1: Yeah. So it's it's it's, that's right. I mean, you said it. You know, it's it's and it's a process that builds on itself. Yeah. So, I would never ask somebody to trust beyond their readiness to trust. Trust cannot be forced, but maybe you can know in yourself recognize in yourself a willingness a readiness to to trust and and to be trustworthy yeah and that's men's work like if there's anything that's men's work right now it is how do we become more trustworthy yeah yeah
0: Yeah, yeah. There's a lot. There's a lot flying here, um, or let's say here. I don't want to get too heady. Stay in there. Stay in the the heart space. And I just want to voice this for people listening, but um, just just as a little kind of interlude as I ponder what wants to come through, is that I have recently listened to a wonderful podcast with Charles and uh, Aubrey Marcus, which cover a lot of beautiful topics. There's two actually, but the, the, the one in December as well. It's very beautiful. So just uh, if you've been inspired today, then please go and maybe listen to him because they dive into some beautiful topics. And um, one thing that was inspired by what you're just saying now this 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 relationship, Charles of trust, trustworthiness. It, for me, it's this, you know, this point back to uh, self always back to the here like like what's what's my role in this question that's just popped up around um you know what does life what does life want where does life want to go to next and when i look out there in the world and we're, we're talking about these topics it's such a it's such an individual personal journey at the same time because you know we can go on this uh inner Inquiry or this, you know, self observation, and we start looking inside. And so much of what I've uncovered through going into my sexuality, for example, through going into the, um, and this is one thing that I thought of you uh, a couple of times around this distortion, also in our uh, relationship to our sexuality, and how so much of what I've seen, this is my my opinion, my perspective. I haven't heard you say this, but is this distortion of the sexes, this uh, um, so much of this trust issues so much of this abuse of our trust abuse of our word even when we say we're you know we say we're here we say we're committed or we make up many stories um, uh male body beings and women do this of course but make up these stories in order to get something to you know to get the sex to go through and in the last sort of three or four years i've been uh, since being a sexological body worker i've been working with more beings around sexuality and when we go into that sexual place and uh, I, I lead people to have a more mindful for example masturbation practice where it's not about uh, just fornication with the hand and somehow getting some ejaculation it's about how do you realize that we are a pleasure instrument and actually when I start to find time to be with myself and connect with myself in beautiful loving ways I get to see the distortions in myself around shame guilt blame the way I project onto a man a woman and and actually there's That is a kind of inner outer reflection of how I see the world with these distortions around, you know, guns and tanks and phallic symbols and big, big uh, tower blocks building up, building up. Everything's like it almost feels so much about these wounded boys that never got to actually initiate into men or understand the power of their of their sexual life force energy. And and yeah. Yeah, and this for me has become so present when I'm working with a male or or female body being when we when we take them into their their uh, their journey of um, of of real self love through also self pleasure. So I don't know if that if I don't know if that's gone off topic, but I would really I personally being here with you today as my friend, I would love to hear you speak to that if it
1: feels if you feel inclined yeah. to. So I think one thing that's going on is. I mean, okay, first we're in a pretty deep hole here that right. we as a collective, as a civilization are clawing our way out of. Right. And I mean, I'm just thinking when you were talking about, I was just thinking about like, the intense distortions and, and shame around sexuality when I was growing up, Right. you know, in, in, in school, you know, in high school, I mean, it, it was, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's just- crazy like what a mind what a what a mind fuck you know yeah. <laughs> uh, and i
0: want to have <laughs> compassion now, i know you're laughing but i want to have compassion I, not for me but all the other young boys because i don't know how yours was i don't know fully but yeah. my god what,
1: what oh my god, what so we damaged. have to go
0: through it's just crazy yeah
1: yeah, yeah. and and uh, so this this denial and distortion of 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 pleasure, of sexuality, and and therefore its suppression, then and, and the cutoff of access to what it's really for, which is union. Mm. Okay, that energy, where does it go when it can't go there? Mm. It goes into these distortions, into skyscrapers, into guns, you know, into bombs, into like all of these all of these things that are expressing an energy, which is blocked from going where it really is supposed to go. Mm. And, um, yeah, I think that in order to open up where it really wants to go, I mean, for me, it starts with, um, trusting myself that I am fundamentally a divine being and that nothing that I have been born with is evil. Mm. Maybe it is misdirected, maybe it's lost, but every part of me has a divine purpose and seeks to fulfill it. And once I have that deep trust in myself, then I start asking questions that I wouldn't otherwise ask. Like, what do I really want When I have done this thing that caused harm, what did I really want? Mm. And if I know that there is something that I really wanted, and that's a good and beautiful thing, then I'm able to look for it and maybe find it. And then maybe the harmful behavior stops because that energy is no longer driving it. The energy is going toward its true purpose. But (laughs) the other day I was thinking, you know, like this is maybe a bit of a tangent, but um, looking at the acrimonious political situation out there where, you know, one of the slogans is, you know, fuck Joe Biden or fuck Justin Trudeau or fuck this person, fuck that person. Oh my gosh, what about a what can we envision a society a world in which if i tell you to go fuck yourself you receive that as a friendly suggestion <laughs> like yeah, yeah. Why, like why <laughs> why has fuck become like this this most aggressive hostile word mm. yeah yeah
0: yeah well yeah but actually there's something here you know it, you know, as you say that, based on what we, we're kind of uh, skimming over around the whole sexual distortion, then it kind of, it, on some level, it stands the reason that deep at the core, when you talk about reunion and the idea of connecting to the powerful life force, divine beings that we are, when we really understand the power of our uh, what I call the genital generators, the the sexual centers, the the place where we were born. If if anybody's looking mm-hmm. for where creation came from, the only place you need to do is look in your pants. You need to open them and start going into like, wow, this is where I came from. And then the idea of honouring the temple of where we came out of, right, the 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 womb, the this uh, this beautiful place that that we were actually born from, like born into existence through, we've neglected that so much, we're so far away from the the awareness and the reverence and the the idea of that divine connection that that we can access through fucking, right? Or love making. But the very fact that we're so far away from it, the word fuck has become such a bloody, violent thing, no, it's
1: like- The most the most yeah. sacred thing has become the most profane thing. Right. That I mean, that says it all. Yeah. It's the most sacred thing yeah. that has become, or maybe not the most, but it is as sacred as anything else. Right. And it's become the most profane word. Yeah. It's utterly crazy. Yeah. It, it, yeah.
0: It's like it's, it's completely. It's like it's the it's the, the opposite of of yeah. what it represents, right? And that's and actually, when you say that, I go I go into this whole oh! and and, and then so it, actually, it brings compassion and empathy to go. Wow, like it kind of makes sense why there's so much violence because that that disconnection from that divine spark. Has become so clouded with false belief and uh, you know false ideas and and projections and distortions that if we don't stop and listen and come back to what you just described that we are divine beings and that it's all divine if we and not just as a concept not just as a theory but as a as a as, as a lived felt experience
1: mm-hmm.
0: then anything that anything that comes. With from not there, I'm just this is again my my, my throw in the pot. Is it, I, I don't, I how can I trust that? That comes back to trust.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And there's one thing, quick thing to say, which might make you laugh, but sometimes when I look at these politicians, I'm like, my God, I wish they would like play with themselves or, <laughs> or like have some, have cultivate some life energy. Or, you know, sometimes I'm like, like, these are the people leading countries
1: you know? so, so when you tell them to go fuck themselves it is actually a friendly suggestion
0: it is a friendly suggestion <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> that's yeah. why that's why I named the training that I offer called go touch yourself because it uh-huh. was like go touch yourself to, to, <laughs> to be touched by life to be touched by all yeah. existence but at the same time you know it was that yeah. please come back here and fuck yourself <laughs>
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, part of my uh evolution in this regard has been that I, I, I very, very rarely use um fuck, uh, in the way most people use it, mm-hmm. um, you know, either like <clears throat> with hostility. Cause I'm like, what am I really doing? What am I affirming when I speak in that way? Uh, or just like kind of offhand, you know, people often talk about fucking this and fucking that, you know, and yeah, like, yeah. like, and that, that is kind of a, that betrays a kind of cynicism about the world, like a devaluing of everything, like a, a profaning of everything. And I've noticed that as I've become aware of that, my, my language has changed. It's not so much as like I make a rule that I will never use the word in that way. And I don't advocate other people imitating the form and not the content of what I'm saying by cleaning up your language. What I'm saying, though, is if you bring awareness to this, yes. then your language will change, and you will find that your words will become more powerful. Yes. Because actually, when you pepper, people who pepper their speech with fucking Often, not always, but often, um, will not get taken as seriously. Yes, because it's actually kind of a victim, like it's this this posture of resentment about everything, and therefore it's a victim posture. Yes, it's not it's not a powerful way to use words. Uh, yeah. Y- yeah. And again, like like. If you, uh, that, uh, I, I want to emphasize again, don't say "Okay, I'm not going to use that word anymore." But look at how you feel when you use that word,
0: yeah.
1: And and it can become um, a, a, an avenue of of some healing. I
0: mean, you're talking you're talking to me with that because when I was younger, swearing was every every second. Word was a swear word. Yeah. It was like yeah. it, it was the growing up to think that everybody swore. We were in our own little gangs, and and you used words to demean others, and 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 actually to create power. And then when I made a decision to never swear again, and, and when I do use the the word now, it's in 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 great awareness. And um, recently, I was supporting a a, a woman um, to actually move through her um, uh, her guilt and her shame around actually owning her no and mm-hmm. she w- she was saying no we did an exercise of like no no enough enough no more as I love from Polly Higgins which I use so much mm-hmm. this sense of enough no more you know stop mm-hmm. she needed that and then at one point um, she kind of said the you know the word fuck come out and then there was like a laugh and then and then I stayed with that, and I got her to say, um, um, "What was the sentence? Uh, fuck, it was fuck off, fuck off."
1: Yeah. But in, but in her mother
0: tongue, and and it brought up so much um, at first nervousness and so on because her mother had told her, many others had told her that's bad, as she can't use that. But then, as we continued with it, it brought a sense of empowerment. Right. And then and then she was able to use. Now she's not going to keep saying. F off to everybody. That's not going to be the thing. But in that moment, it brought that that sense of enough, and then it was able to land in her body. So I think that's what you're Oh, that's how I receive what you're pointing to as well.
1: Well, yeah, you know, and also, uh, I mean, fuck, it has become in our language now. um, Really not so much a swear word as an intensifier. Right? You know, it's like, fuck no. Yeah, you know, it's 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 like it turned into like this grammatical particle, <laughs> um, and, and and but it, but in that example, like you gave a counterexample of what I was saying. Right. Like that woman was actually was like standing in her power mm. when she said "fuck off." Yeah. So yeah, yeah what I, what I've been saying um, about how it disempowers our language, it's true, and that truth stands alongside what you just the story you just told where it was um an affirmation of her power yeah so you know words words don't mean one thing words the meaning of words is is relational and the meaning of that word it's like it's like a word that's taken on multiple meanings right and so yeah like again like i'm not telling people never never say fuck. yeah um I mean, no I say, no, it, but,
0: you know, i mean, yeah. like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, fuck it, let's go, fuck it, you know. <laughs> yeah. I can imagine you saying, enough, fuck it, let's go. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 But what's lovely, you're bringing this up and it kind of weaves in because actually it might weave into this next, uh, this next part. Just taking a breath of everything you shared there. And, and, and also, yeah, really feeling, I'm really feeling, uh, yeah, I'm feeling playful and in me, and I'm and I and I really and I see that in you as well, and I see that playfulness. And there's a sense of that the word has power, right? We know that, and that we play with words. And and again, just for maybe some people, this is the first um, uh, conversation they've heard of you and I. And so, what I'd like to just weave in a little around, like, or I'd like to invite you to speak to this Charles and how how this is showing up for you at the moment because we can look at the kind of cataclysmic, you know, war on consciousness, dystopian potential unfolding at the moment and it can like, depending on where our focus goes, our energy flows and it can just look like absolute nightmare that's going on in the world right now, right, not to dismiss that ever because, you know, I'm in service to that. Um, But also there's that sense of, Uh, playfulness that I I, I'd like you to speak to around actually being trusting in ourselves, as you said, and and, and actually taking full responsibility as a sovereign being for the words, the actions and the the feelings that we decide to actually, you know, put into this quantum soup, this, this cosmic soup, as I, as I like to call it, and then how to really play with, play with that creative energy, play with that, uh, uh, creation that we are in in service to creating, which I'm going to reference as I always do. But the more beautiful world our hearts know is possible. Which is, if none of you listening, if any of you listening don't know, is one of my favorite books of Charles Eisenstein called "The More Beautiful World Our Hearts Know Is Possible." So yeah, I don't know if that if that's aligned or this something else you feel lively, but you know, it's it's like if it's all heavy and it's all serious and we all fall in and there's no sense of real play. Like we're kind of, sometimes I feel we're missing the gift of life we've been given. But mm-hmm. I do understand that you can't get to that point if you haven't kind of looked at some shadows and faced yourself and so on and so forth. Otherwise, it will be kind of uh, bypassing, you know, oh, it's all good and laugh, but actually inside I'm, you know, a, a mess.
1: <laughs> uh, well, it's not either or. Right. You don't have to be fully healed before you can play. You don't Light. have to have everything figured out before you can make a joke. <laughs> and in fact, I, I, I find that when I get stuck, then it is play and humor that can get me unstuck. Mm. So the, it's, yeah, it's not, not separate. But I also am very wary and distrustful of anybody who is humorless, whether it's, you know, in politics or any other part of life. Mm. Um, because humor... Humor and playfulness taps into a fundamental truth about creation. In in a sense, like, it's not all so serious. Mm. Most of the dramas that we create are, are, you know, things that we create. Like most of the, the oppression and horror on this planet is because of the stories we tell ourselves about ourselves and about the world. War, for example, depends on dehumanizing stories we tell about the other other person and they become a character in a drama and it can get so serious that i might kill you right so humor is a respite from that role play that generates the drama of this world Mm. it's a respite you you step back from it and you all kind of laugh at it (laughs) <clears throat> and then maybe you go back into it, but on some level, you know that this is not the only reality. So the, the, um, one of the most serious warning signs of a society in deep crisis is that people can't laugh together anymore. Mm-hmm. We're actually seeing that now in the United States mm-hmm. where comedians are getting canceled, you know, where like each side has its own comedians. And and people <clears throat> before they laugh at something like oh am I allowed to laugh at that? Mm. Mm-hmm. So so I, I think that and, and it's also interestingly enough humorlessness is a defining characteristic of totalitarian regimes. Wow, fascists and like totalitarian communists, you know they're not known for their humor. Right, right. Yeah, so actually, what we're touching on here is, is,
0: it's kind of, it's kind of deep, it's a systemic thing, because when we lose our humor, when we lose our ability to play and to connect to that part of ourselves, something, there's a ease in place.
1: Yeah, it is like it can be a form of bypass. Like sometimes, I know people who anytime it gets intimate, they'll tell a joke. Right. And it's also what can be a form of bypass can also be a form of, of respite, you know, of, of like, like a needed break in the delusion. Mm. And same and I guess I would extend that to, to playfulness. I mean, anytime you're being playful, you're also saying it's not that serious. Like there, and there are circumstances, again, where play would be <clears throat> inappropriate and a diversion. Like, you know, if my child is lost in a crowd, yeah. I'm going to be, I'm not going to do any, I'm not going to have time for jokes. I'm not going to have time for play. Yeah. going to be on that. And the situation on earth is that serious. but it's not quite like um, finding your child in a crowd, the situation on earth. Cause when you're looking for a child in a crowd, you know what to do. And regarding the situation on earth, it's not like there's one single effort that is gonna save the world. Anybody who thinks that is probably missing something from the picture and they become what we call a zealot. zealot and they lose their sense of humor ah, because they've so identified the one important thing yeah and they lose their playfulness <clears throat> mm.
0: are you losing your playfulness yeah <laughs> Are no. you? No, <laughs> not are
1: you. Mm. Yeah, it, because I, I, and I especially in the time of COVID, and here I'll be censorship worthy once more. Um, I think that we've been hypnotized into taking something into being much more worried and concerned about something than the actual facts justify. Mm. Um, But I'm not saying that, you know, COVID was nothing. I know and accept that a lot of people became very ill and a lot of people died, but I also know and accept that um, general health has been declining my entire lifetime Mm -hmm. as far as Chronic conditions, autoimmunity, allergies, obesity. um, Yeah, depression, addiction, Mm -hmm. you know, like. And that has never been treated as a pandemic of great enough concern to completely alter the way that we live as a society. But this has. And and, it's, and compared to the amount of damage that the chronic disease epidemic of the last two generations has caused, this is relatively small. Mm-hmm. So, but it's become like this self sustaining drama. Mm-hmm. And so, I, well, yeah, I mean, basically, what I'm saying is that this is an especially important time to be able to step back um, and dissociate ourselves a little bit from the, the, the drama, the narrative mm-hmm. that casts us all into, it's like I in one of my essays, I wrote about the anti-festival. Mm-hmm. And I, I talked about lockdowns and so forth as a kind of, an, of what anthropologists call an anti-festival. Like Lent is an example of an anti-festival. Um, It's this extended period of abstemiousness, you know, of of denial, of the shutdown of public performances and dances and everything like that. Like like that happens. I mean, many societies have a period of of, you know, sobriety and seriousness and denial. Like it's not a bad thing to go through that. It's not a bad thing to fast once in a while. but you can't fast all the time sometimes you have to feast also totalitarian regimes try to impose a permanent Mm. anti-festival they tend to be
0: very why why just purely for control because that's how you can control the most beings if they're not in joy right if they're not in play if they're not connecting just the way that you can manipulate more
1: it's control but also it's it's
0: um,
1: that the idea that nothing is important except this thing. Yeah. Like So any um, non-state directed form of fun uh, or expression or organization, or even a party, I mean, that's a threat. If you have a party at your house, that is a threat.
0: Yeah.
1: Like author- authoritarian, authoritarians do not like parties go back to school you know like the school is hostile to parties the cops raid the party because like the true festival as opposed to the anti-festival is a temporary suspension of the ordinary rules of society so it is a threat to the totalization of those rules of society and that's why it's anathema to totalitarian regimes yes yeah yes beautifully described
0: yeah, beautifully described that, that, I mean, I know as many layers, but that, you know, that's what we're moving through, right?
1: Yeah. And and so to some extent, modern society and modern paradigms, modern ways of thinking and being are totalitarian. They have colonized more and more of other cultures, other ways of being, other ways of knowing uh, other plants and animals and, and and have extended dominion over the world in all seriousness for this goal called progress. So one of the things that has been sacrificed is the carnival. These things have become neutered and permitted. Whereas the original festival, the original carnival is uh, it's like this outburst where ordinary rules are suspended and status relationships are overturned and and The whole drama is seen as, like the whole drama of normality, you step outside of it Mm -hmm. and you see it for what it is. Okay, that's a game that we're playing. Mm -hmm. doesn't mean that we don't play it anymore, but we get a break from it and we affirm that there's a deeper reality underneath it, that what we call normal and real isn't. Mm -hmm. It's a play. It's a drama. Mm -hmm. And we occupy roles in it. That those roles are not our true self mm-hmm. and normal is not the true reality mm-hmm. and if we don't touch back on that truth sometimes through play through festival through humor through dance etc etc through art if we don't touch on on that truth that normal isn't real and that our roles are not ourselves then what happens we go crazy
0: yeah of course well we white but we, in fact I would go as far as say we wipe, we wipe, we wipe ourselves out. Yeah. Cause you've taken the, you've taken the so-called normal, which is the illusion as the only reality. And, and you've, you, you almost become calcified in that. And then Well, the whole... there's
1: always a principle of life though, that seeks to get out of that prison. And, and that's why, you know, it can drive you crazy or suicidal yeah which which which
0: you spoke about earlier which we see uh rising in numbers and all those levels mm-hmm. that you described earlier yeah. so so not that we having the the answer as we know uh, the problem the solution is always in the problem but can, I see I see I see hope I see aliveness i I, I hold firm that the carnival of life the 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 true uh authentic self if you want to call it this this love if you want to call it that can does prevail and not just prevail in this kind of dark light battle of you know star wars and darth vader and, and luke skywalker you know playing the play, play kind of playing those polarities out but actually that there's and you kind of spoke about it in your recent article but there's we talk to this union in ourselves, and in this reunion of of moving beyond all the judgments and 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 condemn condemnation towards others about what their beliefs and not their beliefs are, and actually how can how not how can like like that just to plant this seed actually as we're coming to a close now, but just to plant this seed that for me, in my reality, in the way that I'm living and showing up, it's it's possible, it's possible to see beyond this illusion. It's possible to awaken to the truth of who we are and to co-create from that foundation. And um, yeah, yeah, it's possible. It's, it's also happening simultaneously. Right. I don't, I don't see it all. Yeah. I don't, I actually, I don't actually see how that totalitarian regime as you, as you call it, as we know it to be called is it, it's almost like it can't, it's the emperor's clothes, no? It they, it can't hold up. Surely anyone that that knows that true sense of love and that connection can just see that and go, Oh yeah. You know, it's a bit like you know, Wizard of Oz when you go up there and it's just that old man in the in the box, oh scaring everybody. But it's just the
1: man behind the curtain, yeah. Right. Yeah. No. It, okay, so yes and no. Uh huh. I used to think that it would all fall apart inevitably. Now I think that it's really up to us, uh, because the the show, the 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 lie, the Matrix, is the creation of all of us. It's it's yes, our yes. we we uphold it. Yes. You know, we're we're holding that curtain. Yes, self-perpetuating, uh, yes. Yeah. So this the insanity will never end until we end it.
0: Yeah, and so an and, 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 and we realize. In, Yeah, we end it within ourselves, but but also we have to say, which comes back to what you said earlier, we have to also say clear no's. That's right. Certain things, which comes back to that PowerPoint of like, do we trust? And what do we, what do we trust? And what don't we, we, this is beautiful. We're coming full circle. What do we trust and what don't we trust? And actually this is a no for me.
1: Yeah, that's right. There's. that. But that's the, big, isn't it? So Charles? you could that's say big. that. The, yeah. Uh, the awakening, like, how do you wake up? Right. You know? it's for me, it's often when someone wakes me up, like we wake up, we awaken each other and it, and, you know, not always by, by, you know, shaking somebody, but it could be a whisper, you know, it could be a joke. It could be, um, like really being heard. I mean, it could be the work that you're doing around, around, um, intimacy and pleasure, um, I, I just know that that to the extent that I've woken up, it's my own efforts play a minor role compared to those beings human and otherwise who have had an awakening influence on me. And as I wake up, then i and and as I tap into the strength of the beings around me, and as i surround myself with people who really see me, and know me and trust me, I become trustworthy, and I become strong, and I become brave, and I'm, I become able to say, stop, mm. to say, you shall not pass. Even if it puts me at some kind of risk. And I don't want to exaggerate that. Like, you know, I mean, the risk that I've endured by, by you know, my words has resulted in nothing worse than, you know, some denunciation and cancellation. Um, and I'm well aware, you know, I know activist communities in Guatemala and Brazil and stuff where you get assassinated, Exactly. you know, you get like tortured, your children get disappeared if you speak out. So I'm not claiming any great courage for myself, but to the extent that I have developed some, it's due to the, um, people who, have, who, who see me for what I really am or what I can be. And this is also something that we can do for each other. And as we do that, then we are better able to stop participating in the maintenance of the pretense. The charade is perpetuated by our compliance with In the story of the emperor's new clothes. It's not like you're the only one who sees the emperor is naked and everybody else thinks he's got clothes on. Everybody sees that he's naked. Mm-hmm. But everybody's afraid to say it, which means that it looks to them as if everybody else thinks he has clothes. Mm-hmm. Right? No one's saying anything, so I must be the crazy one. Mm-hmm. So that's so as long as we keep doing that, this craziness will never end. Mm-hmm. Totalitarianism will never end. Mm-hmm. The, the the trajectory toward totalitarianism will never end if we just sit around waiting for it to end and waiting for somebody else to say that the emperor has no clothes. Mm -hmm. So that's why I say it's not going to fall apart by itself. It is delusional to think that it's going to fall apart at the same time as you're holding it up. Mm -hmm. You have to take away the hand of yours that's holding it up. Mm -hmm. That is the power we have. We have, and that's the important thing is that is to know that it is not inevitable, that it, that it stays. It's not, yeah, yeah, that we yeah, are yeah. not victims. We yeah. are not helpless before right. the power of the matrix, before the power of the system, the power of the, the government and the whatever, Illuminati, you know, and the corporations, etc., etc. et, cetera, et cetera.
0: Which actually, when we're focusing on them and blaming them and, and, and saying they have to change and this has to change, we're actually still holding them up because we put the focus there rather than seeing it for what it is. Taking the hand away and creating something different, like creating different yeah. systems. But I want to—I want to know just briefly before you guys, I see that you know in certain documentaries I've watched and, and where we're at. It's not just that it's all dividing, but it feels like when we talk about permaculture, community, regenerative culture. What would it look like to co-create our own, um, you know, spaces where we can grow food together and and be self-sufficient and pull ourselves out of the dependency on uh, fuels and all this, like that level of detachment from the thing that I've been holding up is damn scary. Right. How do I function? How do I move? How do I exchange? How do I, And unless of course it speaks to living in the gift, which I know you've spoken about so much, but you see that it's like, it's, there's also not a framework or a clear blueprint for anybody. So it seems like it's kind of organically arising as more people do wake up. Right. We don't have to know the, how we just need mm-hmm. to know the, what and the, why. Mm-hmm is if we don't look inside at what Charles is pointing to around what it is that we're holding up and take a real stark look at that, like where where is my focus, where are my actions, what are my behaviors, and really look inside, I think that the habits
1: are often too hard to die that have kept us already okay. conditioned. You know, let's, let's not make this an ordeal though, Simon. Yes. <laughs> you know, like, okay, now we have to do the hard work looking inside. No, but not
0: not the hard work of looking inside, but like this idea. But but it
1: seems like I don't know. It somehow seems like like okay, I've been bad. There's something. There's some energy about that that I'm I'm not resonating with. Okay, and I want to no, offer an alternative to it. Sorry if it came
0: across like that. That's not my intention. But this idea that those actions that I'm I'm, I'm just speaking for myself. Like I was never able to change certain behaviors in my own. Call it addict. I just use the word addictive. Not that I'm not addict an addict to anything else at the moment, but in my own addictive behaviour, I was not able to change that until I noticed it in myself. That's Mm -hmm. all. That's all. Yeah. You know, and that whatever. It's not that there's a fixed path to that, but there was definitely like I did need. I needed people, like you said, to to mirror it to me. I needed people to mirror it to me and support me and help me. And at the same time, I needed to just look at myself. That was. That's of Where I'm coming from.
1: Yeah. And I would just maybe I would only add um, to be very gentle and loving in that in that look within. yeah and to 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 look not only at here are the ways I've been complicit, here's where I've been afraid, here's but also to to, to see the <clears throat> the authentic desire to live in a more beautiful way. and to see the thread of beauty in everything that you've done that that earnestness that might have been at some times in your life buried very deeply. But to see the treasure also and to feed that, you know, just mm-hmm. even acknowledging that empowers it. Like like giving attention to your willingness to align your power and service to life to align your energy and your life to life. Mm. And to say, yeah, that's who I am also. That's real in me. Like that needs to be seen too. Yes. Yeah.
0: Yes. And what you're pointing to actually is also just that that deeper self-acknowledgement, compassion. It goes back to the feminine principle of unconditional love, actually. We've gone full circle multiple times. I love it. Yeah. No, do you see that? That actually yeah, comes yeah, back to yeah. listening to the feminine principle, if you want to use that again, using these terms of like unconditional love. Like, what would change right now, regardless of thinking we have to do this, that, or the other, or change? Like, if we just, what you just shared, actually come from yeah. that principle of just seeing mm-hmm. the treasure, the treasures of, of all that we are right now.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like, maybe so much falls away just from that real embodiment of that.
1: Yeah. Yes. Yeah.
0: Mm. <laughs> mm. Uh, thank you so much, Charles. Anything you want to say? As you, as you, uh, and thank you for your time today. Um, that was a beautiful, yeah, just beautiful, a, yeah, beautiful dance. Yeah. Yeah. And sending you love. Thank you for listening to another episode of Simon Transparently. This podcast is a call to action, a call into sovereignty, a call to speak our truth and love ourselves fiercely, and for us all to rise up together as love. If you are resonating with my offerings, you can support me by becoming a patron, for which I would be deeply grateful. And you can access more of my content at simontransparently.com. You can also join our online community at thebelovetribe.com. This is where we get to be a little bit more intimate, share our gifts and practice what it means to be
1: love. This is our time to write.